don't worry. We're not fading this down until it really starts to happen. But the intro is longer than I remember. I'm going to be honest. Brian, how do you circumcise a hillbilly? How do you circumcise a hillbilly? You kick his sister in the head. Wow. It's That's gonna be, negative. It's going to be one of those shows. <laughs> all. I'm all for it. Look. get a lot of hate mail from the people that are into incest. <laughs> Not all of us are inbred hillbillies, all right? Some of us just like our aunt an awful lot. Wow. It's so hard to dance to that song. I don't but, know if you... Not really. No, I mean, if my knee was better, I'd That's be up true. doing it right now. That's true. Episode 309 of the Brian Oak Show here in the Smart Start MN Studios. Why? Some dueling banjo... I- why? Why did you pick dueling banjos? Because there's nothing that makes me think more of spring than inbred Southern Hill people. Deliverance. I'm, uh exactly. I mm, I mean and 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 Burt Reynolds in that like sleeveless sort of like uh sort of uh scuba outfit he's got Handsome going on. Handsome bastard, that's what I'm saying. Good looking mother bleeper right there. He is. Episode three oh nine of the Brian Oak show. There was no real reason other than I thought I love that song, but I forgot how long the intro is. We are here in the Smart Start MN studios in South Minneapolis. My name is Brian Oak and it's Sean Bernard. Hello, Sean. How are you? Today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. For Tuesday, I feel tired. It feels more like a late Thursday, but you know what? I'm going to dig down deep. I'm going to pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'm going to be a self-made man. It's all coming together. Did you believe a second of that? Not a yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, and that's fine because you, 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 you're going to be remembered on the right side of history right there. We are doing the Brian Oak Show. It is powered by Smart Start MN. And before we get into the topic I want to get into very briefly, let's go ahead and thank Smart Start. Without them, we are nothing. They signed on before we did our first podcast, and here we are doing episode 309, which is both impressive and terrible. This is the white man's burden right here. Just in the words of Jack Nicholson in The Shining, white man's burden, Lloyd, white man's burden. Because I, I recently heard someone tell a joke that some somebody was so white that they started the podcast. Hurts my that feelings. That is pretty solid. By the way, that movie, probably top three scariest of all time for me, not because of all the ghost stuff and everything, just yeah. the idea of your dad losing his shit. Uh, and chasing you with an axe yeah. through an endless maze in yeah. the middle of a driving blizzard? Yeah. Yeah. Why would that be scary? I mean, my childhood wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> Smart Start MN is Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. What does that mean? It means they worked with the state. They were the designers of this program. You drink and drive, you are going to lose your license. They will get you back in your car sooner, faster, and for less money than you can expect, and even for less money if you follow a certain link. Yeah, go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. I want to be honest with you. I love winter, and I prefer it to summer. Yeah. However, I think we all like the transitional seasons the best, sure. fall and spring. Yep. We're not going to get much of a spring. It's going to be 80 oh, today. winter to summer, midsummer. Bye, bitch. Uh, this coming Wednesday, day after tomorrow, it's going to be 85 degrees. Now, it is supposed to get chilly again this weekend because it's April in Minnesota, and that's how the game works, but 85, that's not even jacket weather. I won't be able to wear this light jacket I have on right now. That light, trendy jacket you have, you're going to have to... How dare you? to put that up for a little bit. How dare you? Unbelievable. It is slimming, though. I like how you... Well, thank you. You know what? Thank you very much. I guess I appreciate that very much. Um, It is lovely outside right now, and with spring comes the promise of new arrivals. It could be new music arrivals. It could be upcoming shows. It could be young love. Don't bank on it because that shit will turn sour on you before you fucking know it. But it could mean young love, which you have to go through whether you like it or not. And um, yeah, anyway, spring always, I mean, that that's why I love, one of the reasons I love winter and would like a longer spring is I believe in the promise of the next season, right? Like summer, summer can fuck right off. That's dinosaur weather. I hate that shit. But it, but it, until you go through that hotness, then when it finally gets cool and crisp in the fall, you're like, Ah, and then winter comes, you're like, ooh, and then you go through a long winter, and we have had 
an historically epic winter for sure. Yeah, it was bullshit. Okay. Even the optimists, even the optimists <laughs> that say that they like winter, are like, okay, no, yeah, yeah, it's it's time. It, well, and it is time. I just I wish there was more spring before eighty degrees. But guess what? It's beautiful. It's springtime in Minnesota, and here we are doing the Brian Oak Show. We're going to talk to a very interesting character I've gotten to know over the last few years. Um, he's a musician by trade. He also he ostensibly a drummer, although I've never literally once seen him hold a drumstick. But apparently, he's been in bands. From what I'm told, I've seen this picture on the back of records, and I. But I'm still a little dubious because I've never, ever once seen him pick up an instrument or a drumstick. But we'll get to that in just a minute because our guest is Rick Mank, and Velvet Crush is going to come back onto your radar for the first time in a long time with a re-release of something that you back in the '90s you couldn't get records, right? Like records, they, oh, were, yeah. they, they went away. It was CD yep. time, right? Especially like early to mid '90s, and so of course there were vinyl but there was not very much of it and so working at a record store as i do with the guy who's about to join us when certain things come through you're like i've never seen that before even though it's a very popular and well-known release it was just a time where very little vinyl was getting made because everyone's like that's the past it's over much like most of the people who do marketing now say radio's over Anyway, we'll be talking to Rick Mack just ahead. <laughs> but first, I wanted to hear a song um, by The Shocking Blue, the first ever uh, Dutch band to go number one with Venus in the U.S. But they put out dozens of great songs. And one of the fun things about working at a record store is hearing songs you've never heard before. Sometimes you grab a record at random and it's amazing. Other times... Less than amazing, as I'm sure Rick will bring up when we talk to him just ahead. In the meantime, though, this one is amazing. Shocking Blue. Send me a postcard on The Brian Oak Show. Sean, you brought up a very, very excellent point that they had a Jefferson Airplane vibe, exact same era, late 60s, except they were Dutch, and Mariska, their lead singer, sorry, Grace Slick, <clears throat> I'm 
Team Mariska, 100% of the time. You want one shot at the title is what you're saying? Well, I mean, if it was 1968, I was 24 years old and had long hair down to my waist, I could have been a contender. I see what you're saying. I'm Brian Oak, and that is Sean Bernard. Our guest today is Rick Menk, who has joined us on the show before. Rick is a multi-instrumentalist. Rick is a songwriter. Rick works with me at a record store, and Rick has literally toured the world. One of my favorite things to say, and I mean it in all sincerity, there are bands who maybe aren't household names, but they always like to go, well, we're huge in Japan. Rick Mank is actually huge in Japan. Rick, it's good to see your face. Good to be here, fellas. How are you? <laughs> good. good, good, good. He now, has a sly, wry smile going on right now. Well, I think, I think Rick's keeping his guard up because Rick and I work together at a record store, yeah. Mill City Sound in Hopkins, and we have developed a relationship over the years where there's a lot of good-natured sparring going on, but now that he's in my dojo... See, that is... You're a little nervous about it, aren't it you? Is. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I can tell your legs bouncing 100 miles an hour over there, and I'm like, you have nothing to fear here, man. I'm it's here be because right. I want you here. I don't know. Okay, I know. <laughs> no, I know. How do, you, do you want to get someone on the phone? Do you want to use a lifeline? All no, right. No, no. All right, so Rick, you're joining us today because coming up in the not-too-distant future, one of the... I mean, you've been making music for, without dating you or aging you, many decades, correct? Correct. Okay, and one of the highlights of that, I know you've played with other people, for other people, alongside other people, but there are some projects in there that really matter that you are the architect of, and one of those would be your band, Velvet Crush. Where did Velvet, Velvet Crush start? Um, well, me and Paul Chastain, mm-hmm. this, uh, we sort of formed a part partnership in the 80s yeah. uh before velvet crush we started making records together uh with bands like choo choo train the springfields not choo choo not the choo choo train <laughs> bag of shells all these great names but we made singles like that and then uh, at one point we were like we're like uh we gotta get out of the midwest so we ended up <laughs> moving to providence rhode island and now, that- that's a great question right there this to me is very interesting because my folks lived in providence for quite some time and so i've been out there so it's time to leave the midwest most people would go i'm going to new york mm-hmm. i'm going to la i'm going to austin i'm going to nashville you're like no you know what we're going to Providence, Rhode Island, motherfucker. The ori- Why Providence? The original plan was I actually lived in Gloucester, Massachusetts um, first, and we were going to maybe live up there mm-hmm. or in Boston, um, but I ended up um, getting kicked out of a house that I was living in in Gloucester. What did you do? I did nothing. Oh, here we go. The cover-up continues. Anyway, move on. I got kicked out of that house, and I knew this guy in Providence named Jeffrey, uh, and I called him up, and I said, I got nowhere to live. Can I come stay with you? And he was like, sure. So I moved down there for a while, and Jeffrey uh, Underhill ended up becoming the guitarist in Velvet Crush. Exactly. Now, Jeffrey Underhill sounds like the name of a hobbit. I'm going to be honest, (laughs) Um, but obviously a good guy because he let you into his hobbit hole. Yes, a very he's a very good guy. Yeah, yeah. Very sweet, nice man. Nice. Because when I look at the wiki page for uh, Velvet Crush, it says current members, and then it says former member Jeffrey Underhill. Bye, bitch, I guess. Well, he was out for a little while. We, <laughs> As we progressed, he... He, we went ahead without him, but then realized that was a mistake. So. That you needed him. Well, yes. I think, to be honest, I was kind of mean to Jeffrey in the beginning. Why are you such a jerk? Why would well, you do that? I had to push and prod and interesting. Get, get him up to speed. Interesting. If Very I had a nickel, by the way. Yeah, well, oh, oh, God. You'd, you would have a giant bag full of nickels for sure. So um, you, most people don't move to Providence, Rhode Island to break into show business, but you decided <laughs> it was time. So It, you, you it was a, actually an incredibly great place to live because it was it was going through like a downtime rents were really cheap mm-hmm. from providence to boston 45 minute drive yeah. from providence to to new york maybe two and a half three hour drive so, so is the or pro- train ride easy is, train ride too right yeah is the proximity to those major hubs on the eastern seaboard is that a big part of why providence worked for you it definitely helped us um because i mean all the other bands in town in providence at the time they just stayed in town and played locally or maybe went up to Boston, but we realized we could actually go up and down the coast and yeah. play all over the place. 
So we made it a sort of our mission to do that. And um, I think that was very helpful in the long run to get us to, you know, be able to go over to Japan and Europe and stuff. So by far, Velvet Crushes, most, I mean, you've been involved in lots of other bands, but by far the most celebrated release by Velvet Crush is the 1994 release, Teenage Symphonies to God. And that's getting a re-release treatment, which, is that exciting? Is it like looking at baby pictures? Does it like mortify you? How do you feel about the fact that one of the most celebrated musical things you've ever done is getting the re-release treatment? Well, I'm very happy about it, actually. Yeah? Um, for years, people have been asking when the vi- when it's going to be out on vinyl. And right. it, it actually was out on vinyl in England or in Britain uh, for, you know, I think they pressed a thousand copies when it initially came out in 94. Not that many copies. No. So... It's and really, was it never pressed on vinyl here in the States? No. Not once? No. Because again, 94, no one's making vinyl and no one's thinking about vinyl. Yeah. And now as you and I can both attest, and frankly, anybody who's a music fan can attest, it's back in a gigantic way and people are like, they're hungry for it, aren't they? The fortunate thing for us is we were signed to Creation Records in England, which was a very cool label. Here and we go. Over, <laughs> over in England, <laughs> over in England, they vinyl never died really over there. They right. kept selling it and making it. So, um, um, we went over there a lot. We toured over there a lot. Um, and fortunately we got at least some vinyl to come out. Whereas if you were signed directly to a American label here, you know, you probably, unless it was sub pop or something, you wouldn't get any vinyl. Like not even promotional vinyl, not even like a, here's a collector for super fans. Yeah, nothing. Not, it was very rare at that point. So who did the, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Brian. Oh, go, you go ahead. I was just going to ask who did the cover art? Um, well, uh, that was so it's a, I should preface this by saying, uh, creation, um, the way they would make money is they would come to Alan McGee, the president of the label, the legendary guy, legendary yeah. character. He would come to America when he needed money and just sort of do deals with lab, major labels and stuff. Say, I've got these great bands and he put on this big show and jump on people's <laughs> desks and all this stuff. And he convinced, One of those guys. Yeah, so he convinced Sony um, in the States to sign us. So um, we, um, when we got signed to Sony, that, that was like a big, huge machine. And mm-hmm. I ended up going to New York. And to answer your question, I went to New York and I met up with this girl named Francesca Restrepro. And she um, and I did the artwork for that sleeve. Um, I had an idea of what I wanted it to be. It was based on an old jazz record um, cover. And then um, she sort of made it happen. Uh, the guy who designed it, he was kind of a fame or drew it. He's kind of a famous guy in a band, although I can't think of the band name now. Are you being sarcastic? Name. No. Oh. You can't think of the band name or the guy's name? can't think of his name or the... Even though it's a picture of you. (laughs) If you look in the... It's actually not me. He did not know what I looked like. But you looked like that. I did look like that. If you look at... (laughs) So what I love is you're absolutely right. The font and everything else and the nature, kind of a 50s-style drawing right there with the little drawing off to the side. It looks very 50s jazz record, like very 50s jazz record, even though much more modern and much more happening and much more likely to... uh, Well, I think a lot of people in the industry at the time called it a panty dropper, didn't they? (laughs) That's not your words. That's what they used to call it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hear a song. We've we've already been talking too long. We're going to play a few songs off this record, which is going to be re-released. We'll talk about the re-release, what that means, and what the future holds. But first, Velvet Crush, tell me about this track right here. Well, Hold Me Up was the first single, quote unquote, Mm. um, or the emphasis track. We made a video for it actually out in L.A., uh, which I think never was played anywhere. Well, you and I are friends. How have I never seen the video? Like, I mean, like walking around the streets. What was the premise of the video? It was in Capitol Studios. It was really cool and fun to make. But... Even going into it, we were like, why are we doing this? But at that time, every band that was signed to a major label, they made them spend money on a video. Yeah. Does it exist on YouTube? Uh, it used to. I don't. I don't know if it's on there anymore. I oh well, someone's going to find out. Tell me about this song. Opening single, "Hold Me Up."
Music from Velvet Crush on the Brian Oak Show, which is powered by Moxie Wealth Management. Moxie, what do they do, Sean? Would you say it's fair to say that Joe and his entire team are actually that a team? Like, they look at every aspect of what assets you might have, what futures you might have, what holdings you might have, and they give you an idea on how to just... Again, you don't have to be one of those Wall Street bigwigs, right? You don't have to be a hedge fudge manager. That's why, did I say hedge fudge? You did, which, um, let's just move on. Let's not even talk about that. Let's just keep going. Hedge fund <laughs> manager. There are too many G's in that You've phrase. talked a lot today. I have, and I'm going to talk more. Um, you don't have to be one of those. That's why you bring Moxie in. They take a look, and they kind of keep an eye on everything and stay on top of it and tell you where you need to go to do what you need to do. Yeah, and life is ever-changing. A good friend of ours, uh, who I won't mention their name because they didn't give me permission to do so. But it's Fred, right? It might be Fred or yeah. Frida. Uh, but they are receiving... Um, you know, the inheritance from a family member that they lost. And that happens too. Yeah. And then suddenly you're in this position where you're like, what do I do about this? Right. Do I invest it somewhere? How do I invest it? And people are suddenly a little bit lost when that sort of, th- you're already dealing with the pain of the loss of a loved one. Correct. So the, the folks over at Moxie Wealth Management could sit down with you, talk to you about every part of your wealth, including things like Social Security, if it still exists when we finally go to retire. They'll talk to you about all that. Go to Moxie. <laughs> Go to MoxieWealthManagement.com to set an appointment and get your stuff figured out. Clearly, this is a home for satire. Rick, growing up, you grew up in sort of the crucible, not the crucible, but a crucible of power pop music. Growing up in Illinois, so much incredible power pop came out of Illinois. And you've turned me on to stuff that I've literally never heard of before. You're off Broadway's and... I don't know, the socks or whatever they're called. I don't have any idea. Shoes. There it is. Shoes. That's exactly (laughs) what I was thinking of. Socks. They're right next to each other. They're literally right next to each other. Don't mock me. Uh, Cheap trick. So many other bands. Why, when you decided to express yourself musically, and I know you're capable of other things, but either jangle pop or power pop seems to have defined a lot of your musical expression over your life. Why that stuff? Why why was that the thing? It was just, well... I mean, well, you kind of touched on it. Growing up in Chicago, it was everywhere. Um, there was no punk scene, really, or very small punk scene, um, unlike up here in Minneapolis where there was a really good punk scene. I'm sorry, was not Naked Ray Gun from yeah, Chicago? Yeah, but they didn't come around till a little bit later. Yeah, in true, the, true, In true. the late 70s, it was all power pop bands, yeah. and there was no city scene. It was like a suburban scene. All the bands played in clubs. Right. So um, I just was really exposed to that. I mean, primarily Cheap Trick and another band called Pez Band mm. were the two big bands that I loved, and Shoes, who I ended up actually playing in after a while. How did you feel about Socks? <laughs> they opened up for shoes. <laughs> <laughs> they went on first. Yeah, nice. Get well on. done. <laughs> we need to Good have night, a, everybody. We need to have a button bar so that I can have a rim shot right there. <laughs> nice. So that became your primary focus. I just loved it. Heard it. Loved it. And then you then you found other people who were like minded, and it was fun to create. I mean. At, I'm a power pop fan myself. I'm a jangle pop guy myself. I just, it sounds good and feels good, and I've always loved it myself. But then you go on to make it. You move out to Rhode Island. You make Velvet Crush happen. Then what, I mean, like, when, how do you go from being a band that moved to Providence just trying to get something done to being big in Japan? I mean, I don't want a 45-minute dissertation. Yeah. But, I mean, like, that's that's not a small step. There was a, just a free coincidence, really. Um Choo Choo Train, a band I was in early on. I'm we, sorry, that band again? Choo Choo Train. I see. C-H-E-W? <laughs> I, can't, I can't stop myself because it's it's one of the worst band names I've ever heard. <laughs> exactly. you, know, you know I love you and I'm sure the music was excellent, but Choo Choo Train is a terrible name for a band. <laughs> somebody was high. Anyway, I'm, not somebody. So we, went to England. we went to England. We did a tour of England. And when we were there, a little, a very small Japanese girl came to one of our shows. Uh-huh. And she, we saw her standing way in the back, but she never even spoke to us. And then about a month later, after we got back home, she said, uh, my friends and I want to pool some money together and bring you over to Japan. Japan. <laughs> and we were we couldn't even get a gig at the time in Providence. <laughs> right. So let alone being flown over yeah. to Japan. Yeah, so like they brought us over there. And in the meantime we had changed our name to Velvet Crush and kind of changed the direction of the band. Way better name, by the way. <laughs> yes. Way better name. And what I, does Velvet Crush mean? I don't know. Hard and soft. 
I read online that it was a reference to a Bob Dylan lyric. Wow. That's it's weird. This right here is an important learning moment. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Or if you're trying to settle a bar argument, you're like, I told you it's a Bob Dylan lyric. <laughs> Don't trust I just, everything I you just, read. I basically just thought of it one day. Yeah? It seemed like a good name. Easy to say. Easy to remember. Based on a Van Morrison lyric? <laughs> Something like that? Based on a... Oh, I could remember his name. Otherwise, it would have been way funnier. Less Dudek lyric. God damn it. Our guest today is Rick Mank. <laughs> Rick Mank is a friend of mine. He's also a very seasoned musician. Let's hear another Velvet Crush song, and then let's talk a little bit more about what it means almost 30 years later having your album re-released, what the future looks like, and the fact that, once again, you're going to be whisked off to a foreign country before very long. We'll talk all about that next. Tell me about this song right here. So Why Not Your Baby is a Gene Clark song. Gene Clark was in The Birds and... Um done a lot of great solo records he was in a band for a very short time called dillard and clark and we um got this song off a very obscure dillard and clark single it's called why not your baby my favorite track on the album
lovely song right there. One quick question for you, Rink. And, uh, uh, Rink. <laughs> well, Rick Mank. Yeah, yeah, actually, Rink. you know what? That could be short Rink. Rink. MC Rink. Mank Rank. Interesting. Rick Mank is our guest. Rick, I want to ask you, you know, here we are nearly 30 years on from Teenage Symphonies to God, which, by the way, is a great name for a mm-hmm. record. Way, way, way better than Choo Choo Train is a name for a band. That's actually embarrassing. I'm going to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) I can't help myself. But here's my point, and I mean it with all due respect. Nearly 30 years on from the release of that record, there's actually a clamor for it. People want this record to come back out. Do you attribute that to the resurgence of vinyl, to the enduring quality of the music you created in that band? to the unbelievable mop-top handsomeness of a young Rick Mank. But in all sincerity, why do you think people still, for lack of a better term, give a shit? Uh, we became what I thought we would always become, a cult band, and um, that was our big record. I mean, that was the one we put the most effort into. Um, we had the biggest budget. And um, is that a, a big budget? Is that a factor of the label you're working with? Yes. Where does the budget come from? Well, the budget for that came from we signed with Creation, so and then they signed with Sony, so we had an actual money where we could go to a studio we wanted to go with and work with the producer we wanted to work with. And where was that, and who was the producer? Uh, the producer was Mitch Easter. Oh, okay. Now again, and and I'm kind of a music nerd, but I don't, I don't pretend to know half as much as Rick does about music. Working with him at the record store is like working with. Like, say you're at a library and someone who knows about 400 more books than you will ever learn. Mitch Easter, though, I do happen to know because growing up, R.E.M. mattered a great deal mm-hmm. to me. And he comes from that whole scene down there in Athens. And so you intentionally sought out Mitch Easter to produce this record? Uh, the way it happened was we were over in England. Velvet Crush was doing a tour. I forget with who. Um, but anyways, we were rehearsing for that tour. And Mitch was producing a band that was rehearsing next to us and out in, I'm out in the alley of the place, the rehearsal place. I ran into Mitch and I knew him a little, not that well, but I said, would you ever produce a record for us? And he said, yes, I would love to. So, um, that was very exciting. Yeah. And, um, we knew we were going to be making this, what turned into teenage symphonies to God. And, um, so we, Mitch agreed to do it and, um, we did it in his studio, which is in, it's actually in Chapel Hill, or sorry, uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Right. Uh, actually in Kernersville, which is near Winston-Salem. He has a, the infamous drive-in studio, which was in his parents' garage that they converted into a studio. It's where mm-hmm. R.E.M. recorded wow. Chronic Town, and um, he recorded Let's Active, his Mitch's band, Let's Active. Maybe you've heard of Chronic Town. Dude, gardening at night? Yes. I mean, like, the, the, the whole bit. I mean, like, so to think that guy is working on your record, so you know that your production is in place, you've got the money to do it, where yeah. did you decide? Oh, so you recorded there. We recorded at the drive-in, and also we cut tracks at Reflection Studios, which is where uh, R.E.M. did Murmur, and um, I think they also did... Uh, reckoning at at, uh reflection which is that's in charlotte north carolina i made our mutual friend chad uh who is not familiar with the early rem catalog despite his love of the 80s i made him listen to reckoning at the shop yesterday he's like you know this is pretty good (laughs) like yeah it's pretty fucking good (laughs) so those those rem records Mm. were huge for everyone but really for me they were very very huge records and um mitch i we you know i was into all his early bands that he had when he was a young person and then um so to get to work with him was incredible and the process i mean once we started working the guy is just one of the most incredible people i've ever met in the business um, not in terms of just talent, but also just he's just the smartest, um, most interesting person, tells incredible stories, has had incredible experiences. And when we were recording the album, we were recording at his parents' house, and they were still with us living at the time. Mm-hmm. And his parents were just like the coolest people ever. His mom would come in, and there'd always be donuts in the kitchen. And <laughs> Go she'd, on. She'd be spending hours watching MTV, and this is like an 80-year-old <laughs> year lady. That's so great. And she, we would sit and watch, and she'd comment on the videos, and she was so tuned in and so in love with like what Mitch was doing and yeah. was such a big promoter of Mitch. So Did, Was she aware of just how important and influential he was at the time? Uh, 
yeah, probably. But okay. it was her kid, so you know. Right. Well, I mean, the, the love is obviously going to be un- yeah. unconditional. But for someone who's into it, like she sounds like she was, you know, to know that your son is a really, really, really important part of making what's happening happen and has been making that happen for a long time. That's pretty cool. The coolest thing about her and and also his dad was they just, the second he decided he wanted to do music, they just totally supported him. Whereas that for a long time wasn't a popular you know, career choice. Yeah, no. <laughs> I I believe that it's still not. <laughs> I believe that 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 may still be a but, prevailing you know, some, attitude among a lot of parents. Yeah, some parents, you know, if their kid goes into sports, they're you know they're right there supporting them all the way. Yeah, and so like um you know Mitch's parents were really into music, and then they got into it just because he was into it. It was a great environment. To, oh no! To Did be. his dad come down and be like, "You guys, can I play a little tambo on this song?" <laughs> His dad was great. Before we go any further with Rick Mank, because Teenage Symphonies to God is coming back out. When, where, how, who, what, no one knows, except possibly Rick Mank, and we'll check in with him again in a moment. But first, let's check in with Sean. So, Sean, we've been talking about this as everyone knew spring and summer were coming. These few days are going to feel very much like it. And people who are like, I was thinking about spring cleaning, I was thinking about maybe moving it around this year. Now, I feel like today there's an energy out there. Too many people in short pants that are ready to clean out that garage, get that carpet steam cleaned, and let's go ahead and move this mother bleeper. You are a realtor for Edina Realty, 50th and France location. Do you sense the froth? I feel seen because I'm wearing short pants and I cleaned my garage yesterday. Look, I'm not... I'm not trying to paint you in broad strokes. I'm not trying to call you the average person, but let's just say you're I'm not very, al- very average. Brian. That's not true, Sean. <laughs> but let's just say you're not alone in both your enthusiasm for short pants and your cleaning of the garage. But it will lead a lot of people. I feel like if like there are people who've been thinking about it, and today they're like, "Nope, this is the fucking year." Well, and it's so funny because a lot of people are like, "Oh, my house has to be perfect before I list it." Yeah, actually. You're better off getting your house on the market when it's not quite perfect at the right time. And right now is the right time because Minnesotans get weird once we realize that the next season is going to actually happen. And Mm -hmm. a week and a half ago, we didn't believe that spring would ever come. We still had 12 feet of snow on the ground. Yes, we did. And so the crazy thing is now that it's melting and we can see our lawns, we're going, Mm. oh, maybe I don't want to live here anymore. Maybe I want to move on to some other place. but. Um, so your house does not have to be perfect. One of the things I specialize in is helping people figure out what should they do to get their house ready for market. You don't have to do everything. So I just look at what are the main things that people will be looking for uh, as they go to buy your home. Uh, if you know that if somebody that's looking to buy or sell, 612-859-2594. Donate a portion of every buy and sell to a local musician or band. And by the way, just to the point of supporting your kids, my son just told us that he wants to be a film studies major. And Did you a lot slap of parents him and say, "Not no loser in this house well, is going to be in film studies." You know, it's so funny because there was that part of me that, as a parent, is going, "Oh shit, this is going to be a really rough go of it." Even though some of my best friends made it big in Hollywood, they're yeah. currently doing really, really well. And yes, I'll be giving them a call. Um, guys that were in my wedding are doing really, really well. Well, let's all be honest. All three of us in this room, no matter what you've done for a living over the course of your adult yeah. lives, you obviously have to be competent at your yes. craft. Yes. But that whole old cliche of it's who, it's not who you or it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's never been truer, in I my personal opinion. Yeah, that's the whole bit. Yeah. It's like you have to be good because once you show up, you better be able to deliver the goods. If your dad just made a phone call and put in a connect for you, but it's it's good for you to have those connects for him. Well, he has the work ethic and all that sort of thing. But I just talked to my wife. I said, you know, who are we to say to him, you know, you shouldn't go pursue something you love? I couldn't agree. I've more. gotten to do mostly what I love throughout my career. Same. Uh, even though it's been up and down and challenging, I'd mm-hmm. rather do that than sit in an office in a cubicle. And that's just me. If yeah. someone told me I had to fill out, uh, what do they call TPS them? TPS report. Office? Oh, did you not get the memo about the cover letter? 
I have to go ahead and ask you to come in on Saturday. And I, I mean, I've, I've everywhere I've ever worked, even in Cool Radio Land, there's oh. always people sitting in the Cube Farm, and I yeah. know you were one of them yes, for many, many moons. Yeah. I was like, and I've I've seen people try to transition from my end of radio into the sales end of radio, and it never ends well. They're just not. Great. <laughs> they, they, it doesn't. They, I know. They're, they're not I know. cut out for it. I know. If I was told I could go into sales if I wanted to stick around, I'd be like. I literally would rather go and make seashell sculptures out by the seashore, and I'll put little googly <laughs> eyes on them and funny little phrases on the bottom. How do people get a hold of you again? 612-859-2594. That number is also textable. And Sean is a reliable and decent and patient and kind individual. You could do way worse than way Sean Bernard. That, that's your new tagline. You could yeah. do way worse. <laughs> <laughs> also the Brian Oak tagline. Rick Bank is our guest. So, Rick, I mean, you, in addition to, and we're going to get back to talking about the record and the release and what might that, that might be, I just feel like I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that you've also played with a lot of very important people. You've played drums for Matthew Sweet for over 20 years, correct? Uh, it's around 35. Wow, okay. Man, I mean, and almost so, 40. And Matt, I mean, and so you, like when we go back and listen to classic records like Altered Beast or Girlfriend, am I hearing your particular drum beats on those records? Not on every song, but on, on half the records. But in terms of touring, I mean, and you yeah. and Matthew go back a long ways yeah. and you... So how did you get fucked out of not being in Ming-T? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I think you got screwed. It was all L.A. people, and I wasn't living there at the time. Oh, so you just had to... I mean, because Ming-T... So if you watch any of the Austin Powers movies, the little band he does all the interstitials <laughs> with, your friend Susie's in there, your friend Matt's in there. But I'm the, So once I found out that you were so tight with those people, I'm like, holy shit, Rick's in Ming-T. Yeah. Mrs. Oh, I could sing the whole BBC song right now, but I'm not going to. I was hoping one of you say, please, Brian, go ahead and sing it. <laughs> shockingly, that never came. Nope. So, um, but I mean, like, so, but you've played in numerous bands of your own, uh, in addition to uh, the band we're talking about, Velvet Crush. Uh, Springfields have done very well. You uh, were in a, a great, great band that a lot of people overlook called Choo Choo Train. Um, <laughs> are there any other bands of note that you would like to mention that are part of your legacy? Like when you were first growing up, what was your first band with a really, even a more embarrassing name than Choo Choo Train, if that's possible? Uh, the first band that ever made a record that I was in was called Drats. Drats. That's now, not see, bad. That's cool. Yeah. Drats. Like that. <laughs> with an exclamation point. Of course. Oh, that's yeah. very Scooby-Doo. Yep. Or Batman. Yeah, that was the first band I made a record with. I don't know. I just, I never stopped. I started at one point and just never stopped. And when I started, it was the heyday of the independent. You could make a record. Right. People could actually do that. So I just decided to make as many of them as I can right. with as many different bands or people. And I did that for a long time. You may not remember this, Sean, because Rick's been on the show before, yes. but I feel this is important to call out. There's literally an album called The Ballad of Rick Mank. <laughs> That features a great number of his earliest compositions and some a little later on, but it's literally called The Ballad of Rick Mank, which is one of the most myopic, self-absorbed <laughs> things I've ever heard in my entire uh, life. It's stolen from a Todd Rundgren album. I get it. You know that I don't feel that way. I just, <laughs> You and I get so comfortable with giving each other a hard time now as we're warming up here. I feel like I'm just getting warm, and we got to think about wrapping up the show. Before we do that, Teenage Symphonies to God, your 1994 album with Velvet Crush, is going to get the re-release treatment. Why now? Well, fortunately... Um, it's, I got to thank Rob Sheely over at Mill City Sound. Mm -hmm. He also has a label called Backgroove. Um, he is making it possible. I don't think we could have done it on our own because it, to license it actually costs quite a bit of money. Mm -hmm. um, fortunately, Rob could afford to do it, and so he's made it possible for us to do it. I'm super glad it's happening because for the past 30-some years or whatever, people have been saying, when's it coming out in vinyl? Right. When's it coming out in vinyl? It's finally coming out in vinyl, I think, at the end of April, around the 28th or 29th. And I'm glad. Wait, of this month? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was still ways out. No, no, no. I that think soon? It, I think it's pretty soon. When's really? the next record store day? Uh, uh, April 22nd. 22nd, Okay, yeah. so just after. Like before. A week after. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. We already have enough clamor and chaos yes. during record store day. Which I kind of, I both love and hate at the same time. The first two hours are a nightmare, but then the rest of it's kind of fun to watch people getting all jazzed up and juicy about buying records again. Um, let me ask you this then. A lot of times when these sort of momentous re-releases occur, bands get back together. They go out on the road. They tour in support of said record. 
are you and the boys going to be doing a similar thing? Yes, um, we did get back together before COVID. We did an East Coast tour, and we went back to Japan. Um, that and was how were you received back then? Very well. Um, so that was very encouraging. We were about to maybe even start making a new record, but then COVID happened. And, like, you know, it happened for a lot of people. We got Pretty much the whole world, from what I understand. Yeah, it got messed up there. Yeah, it got a little messy, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, so now... Um, it's still weird to see you without a mask, by the way. For the first two and a half years I knew you, I, I didn't know what your mouth looked like. I, you'd only <laughs> ever wore a mask. And so it is nice to see your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the best response ever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I like Such the mask. Such as it is. So... You you got back together. You did Japan. You were going to do a new record. COVID screwed the whole world up. Now here we are. I wouldn't like to say post-COVID because I don't want to call that nightmare into existence again. But we're in a better spot now where people yeah. are touring again. They're moving around. Yeah, we're gonna, are uh, you going to tour in support of this record? Yeah, um, we're going to start out by going to Spain. And we always had a good thing happening over there, a good relationship with a promoter over there. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be going over there in October and doing like 10 shows. And um, I'm really excited about that. Um, 10 shows in Spain alone. Yeah, Barcelona? We, oh, yeah. Ibiza? <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, I'll bet you are. I'll bet you are. <laughs> so you're going to go to Spain. What about your thirsty, thirsty, thirsty American friends who have been dying for this band to make it happen? Well, now, let me ask, in all seriousness, I, I know I'm being a jackass, but let, in all seriousness, like people would love to see you back doing this thing, but I know it's not as simple as just saying we're going to do it. Is there a possibility of doing stuff in America? Uh, I think so. I think we, hopefully we can. Um, unfortunately, Paul, the singer and bass player, uh, he lives in Japan. Oh, so yeah. it's hard. It's a little bit harder for us to get together. But we're trying to set the thing in motion now so that we can just pick up and play whenever we need to. Right. I'd love to play in America. It's a huge country. It's way more difficult to tour over here than it is, say, in Spain. Oh, or, I'm certain. But, but also, somehow we can get to Spain, but can't make it all the way to America, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I hope you're listening, Paul. There's a lot of us over here. I've never seen Rick hold a pair of drumsticks in my entire well, life. It has been three years since I picked up a stick, the longest I've ever gone in my life. And I got to admit, I'm a little uh, freaked out about that. You're going to be shit in Spain, aren't you? No. It's going to be terrible. I'm going to be back, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt you for a second. Um, what else? So, I mean, this is exciting. This is coming back out, but you're barely putting any effort into it uh, other than being here and promoting it on my <laughs> podcast. What else are you what else are you doing this year? What's going to happen in the summer of 2023 for Rick Mank? I don't know. I'll be at the store, shilling records. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, taking care of the old guys, shuffling through, <laughs> making sure they're pointed in the right direction. Oh, you would have loved yesterday. We both work at Mill City Sound. Rick is a good friend, a talented musician, and probably he's he's one of the two most knowledgeable people I've ever met in my life about music. Like, when I sit down yeah. and I, I try to talk about music with Jake Rude, and suddenly I realize I'm a fucking idiot. And then I sit down and try to talk with Rick Mank, and I'm like, well, he's actually the idiot, but he does know more about music <laughs> than I do. Um, it's it's good to work around people that, you're, that are smarter than you, because it makes you try harder. It makes you work harder. It makes you listen more intently, and it hopefully helps you learn. You know, always learning is kind of one of those adages that is really part of my defining philosophy. I, just because I... Gotta believe there's a high fidelity vibe in there. I wish that there were some <laughs> GoPros and you guys were mic'd up even just for one day just to hear exactly what the hell goes on over there. You know, you're not the first person to suggest <laughs> that. There are a lot of people like, I mean, like Rick and I will be going at it and we'll be like in the middle of like a good fencing match, you yes, know, but verbally yes, and yeah. philosophically. And people will stop by the counter and stop shopping and just listen to it go back and forth, which uh, the proprietor of the shop and our owner and our dear mentor, Rob Sheely, most times he thinks it's funny. Every once in a while, though, he's like, would you two fuckers just get back to work? <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> exactly. Well, good luck with the release of the record. Um, Thanks. How do I get my hands on one of those? Um, well, it's, I think it's 32 bucks. Whoa, whoa, for Velvet Good guy Crush? Discount? But, I'm kidding you, Bri. Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> 30. Um, okay. <laughs> 
So people obviously will be able to stop by the shop in Hopkins to pick it up in Doho, downtown Hopkins, by the way, for those of you not quite in the scene. Mm. Um, is there going to be an online resource where people can yeah, get them as well? Yeah, I, uh, I think Rob's Backroof Records, they have a distribution thing set up, so it'll be distributed through them, and um, we'll probably go through some of the normal record distributors as right. well, um, and then um, it'll be available you know, via the mail. But people should know, I mean, again, like the original release that only came out in the UK, this is not going to be a release of 100,000 copies. This is still very limited, yeah. and that's the way these things are done these days. No one wants to be yeah. sitting on 5,000 copies of Teenage Symphonies to God. Rob actually pressed more than I thought he would want oh, to, so right there'll be a, there'll be some, um, but, you know, it is kind of maybe your one chance to get it before it disappears again. Fabulous. All right. Well, good luck to you, man. Thank you, bro. And you know I love you. Thank you, Sean. Yeah, thank you so much, man. That was great. Thanks I love the dynamic between you two, and it's always great to have well, Rick you're, on. You're just... not seeing anything. Bro. I know. That's why, <laughs> that's why I feel like I'm just getting a taste. I'm way just out of a my taste. element here. <laughs> yeah, right? I'm, no. Everything okay at home? Uh, no. <laughs> that's <true>. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> no. No, all the, all the answers to the questions are no. Thanks to Smart Start MN. Thank you to Moxie Wealth Management. Thank you, Sean Bernard. Thank you. All right. And thanks to our friends at AudioQuip. They provide state-of-the-art audio equipment, as their name might indicate. But there are other people coming along. Carpetbaggers have tried to steal the name AudioQuip. So when you look them up online, look for the little logo that's got the red little A with the red circle around it. That's our friends at AudioQuip. Nate and his entire staff, they will hook you up. They will get you ready. Are you busking on a street corner? Are you doing a major concert event? Whatever it might be, AudioQuip will hook you up like they hooked us up here in the Smart Start MN Studios. I think that's everybody. Oh, and our Patreon members will have yes. a Patreon announcement coming We're up. We're working on that right now as we speak. So the probably night. late April, early May, but not when you're traveling to L.A. Yeah. See how I rhymed that? Well Unintentionally. done. You're like a flow assist. I am. Even realize right, it. right off the top of you. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do, um, don't do I'm Brian. That's Sean. Rick, thank you very much. And before I allow you to leave, you have to tell us about this song right here because whew, the title alone hits really close to the bullseye. What's going on with This Life yeah. is Killing Me? 30 years ago, I actually thought that the life I was living was killing me. So. You, were, you were, I mean, you got to live the rock star lifestyle. Yeah, it was not easy, though, man. Being on the road constantly yeah. for the entire decade. Sleeping in hotels. Anyways, I woke up Lots one day. Lots of cute girls. <laughs> I woke up I'm one sure day. it was terrible. Woke up one day and I just felt bad, so I wrote this tune called This Life is Killing Me. Here it is.
Joe Burgess is a registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services uh, Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. North Star Resource Group is an independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. 2701 University Avenue Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 5514.